Hello, you're listening to Gays Gaze, in which we're gay, and we gaze into media that's by, for, or about ladies who love ladies. And sometimes we talk about other stuff. I'm Erin, and you must come with me, loving me to death, or else hate me, and still come with me, and hating me through death and after. And I'm Erin, and you better hold on tight, (laughs) Spider Monkey, because this is our podcast episode about (gasps) vampires. I can't believe you've done this to me! (laughs) Oh my god. You fucking, you've tricked me. (laughs) (laughs) How have I tricked you? I've done nothing of the sort. You've done nothing of the sort. Oh, read the intro, Erin. I'll go second. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... Whoa! Yeah, it's it's vampire time. It's finally Halloween, and here we are honoring our years old tra- uh, tradition. JK, it's <laughs> just a one year old tradition <laughs> of do- <laughs> of talking about an iconic horror movie monster, but how it's lesbian. Ooh, it's time to step into the sunlight and start to sparkle. <laughs> <laughs> this was. So much more than I could have ever imagined. <laughs> we had this issue with our witch episode. Why we, we fucked keep it doing up? This to ourselves. We, I was. T- we, <laughs> uh, we, we biffed it this time. We Mega fucked bad. it. I- <laughs> Start of the episode. We took a podcast idea and then we freaked it, but in a bad way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you know that every fucking vampire in the world is bisexual? <laughs> Ah, you know what? I forgot, actually, but you I were forgot. right. I <laughs> forgot. <laughs> I just, it sometimes it happens. I should know this. Um, I, You know, I, I mentioned this in our Twilight episode, but I, I never really explained it. And so I feel like it's high time that I do. I am in a chat group with some of my friends from college that is affectionately called Dracula Chat, wherein the initial concept was to just watch movies about Dracula. Um, but it has since kind of morphed <laughs> into watching movies about any sort of vampire. And they these are the friends that watched Twilight with me back, back when we did the Twilight episode. Hello to all of you. Um, all very cool gay people. And all of them who have an incredible vestment in gay vampire culture. <laughs> right? <laughs> and pretty much every single movie that I've watched with them has been homoerotic in some way, shape, or form. Like... All of them. Like, there is no avoiding it. It just, that just (laughs) is the nature of, why did we pick vampires? There's too much. There's too many. I... We made a mistake. I actually, I mean, it's it's good that we're doing this because we'll, yeah. we do, we sure do have a lot to talk about. But man, yeah, it was so funny too. Like looking through the like lesbian vampire like like TV tropes page, mm-hmm. it was just like there's a woman in this movie who's a vampire and she's bisexual. There's a woman in this movie who's a vampire and is bisexual, yeah. and it's just like. Oh, no. <laughs> um, did you know that there is an entire Wikipedia page just for lesbian vampires? Yeah, With, yeah. like, an extensive history on, like, why there are so many right. lesbian vampires. Carmilla. There have been books written about this. Yeah, the OG. I, wait, was, She was... Oh, Carmilla was... She, she did it. Okay, well, yes, th- there have been fiction... It, it, about lesbian vampires, but I mean that there have been theoretical nonfiction analytical texts 
about lesbian vampires. Um, Wait, what? Yes. So I, when I was doing some research, so I found out about this through an article on them.us by Michelle Kim called Why Are We Still So Obsessed with Lesbian Vampires? But Andrea Weiss, who is a film scholar, wrote a book called Vampires and Violets, Lesbians in the Cinema. And uh, Andrea Weiss wrote this book in the 90s. It also works because, like, you know, a vampire is predatory and... Mm -hmm. You know, back when the Hayes Code existed, it was like, you can't depict lesbians. And so, but it's like, right. oh, if it's a villain, that's fine. Yeah. What I did learn about in the in the Them.Us article was that Weiss asserted that lesbian vampire films started to become really popular in the, in the 70s because more straight mm-hmm. people were learning that, res- that lesbians were real and actually existed. And um, a lot of those initial films represented anxiety over the possibility of a lesbian separatist movement. Uh, oh but God. at the same time, uh, concurrently... Actually, lesbians just really liked vampires because they were cool and sexy. And people who wanted to make movies about lesbians started making them about vampires because you're right, they could circumvent the Hays Code because it was about vampires. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the Hays Code wasn't, I don't think the Hays Code was around in the 70s, but obviously, like all of the like prejudice attached to it. Yeah. You're completely right. The lingering implications of the Hays Code is Mm -hmm. what I mean. Like, Oh, totally. And the like standards around film cinema that still existed uh, as trickle down effects from the corporations that were producing films. So yeah, and also like, ooh, it's titillating and like scandalous to have vampires be lesbians. <laughs> yes, exactly. From a straight perspective, but also from a queer perspective, because using <laughs> vampires as like a means of fantasy for metaphor for like giving in to queer desire was also yeah. something that was popular at the same time, right? Because it was totally. like you could put your shoe yourself into the shoes of someone who's being preyed upon by a lesbian vampire, like, oh no, will I let her bite me or not? <laughs> oh like, no. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> I, I think there's only one place to start, which is Carmilla. Carmilla. <laughs> what, okay, so what do you know about the novel? I listened to the audiobook of the novel. Did you? Okay, shit. Yes, this yeah. is exactly. I'm so glad. You and I did not talk about what we were consuming no. at all. I don't. I haven't looked at your notes. I don't know what you've read or what you've done. So this is literally going to be an exploratory deep dive between <laughs> the two of us when we both have no fucking clue what the other person did. Yeah. Welcome to our process. <laughs> yes. I'm glad that you listened to the audiobook because I watched the 2019 film adaptation and did not like it. So I am ready to hear what you have to say about the audiobook so that we are about the novella so that we can talk about the recent movie that they did. Yeah. Um, and I, <laughs> I've seen your description, so I feel like we should definitely do the book first. Um, 100%. Yes. I'm so ready to hear about the book. Yeah, and so the book is in public domain. So there are a lot of free audiobooks available if you if you're interested in listening to it. It's it's like a super. It, I I think it would be a really easy read. Um, uh, because it's, it's yeah, pretty it's a short. Novella. Yeah. Um, but it's also it's like a fun listen. I liked it. Can we just give the context that, that this novella was written in 1871? Yeah, before Dracula. Yeah. yeah yeah by sheridan Lefanu. yeah who i don't know anything about just that he's don't. irish 
but <laughs> the th- the fact that it predates Dracula is incredible. Yeah, totally. So anyway, uh, this book is about Laura, a teenage girl who lives in the countryside with her loving father. And one day they see this carriage crash uh, not too far from their home. And so they go out to see like what's up. And inside there's a woman and her daughter, the latter of whom is too shaken to continue her journey. Um, so the father suggests that the uh, the daughter, who is Carmilla, um, comes and stays with them while she recovers so that her mom can continue on her journey because it's something that's like time sensitive and, and the mom has to leave like right away. So then when Laura goes and greets Carmilla the next day, she's shocked to find out that she's actually seen her face before. Um, when she was a child, she had a vision of a woman coming into her bedroom and uh, biting her neck. And a woman who looked just like Carmilla, but people told her that it was a dream and there was no mark on her neck, so she just assumed it was. Um, But Carmilla informs her that uh, she had the same dream when she was a child. So the two become close friends, with Carmilla often kissing, touching, and confessing her love to Laura. And though Laura values (laughs) Carmilla's friendships, there are times where the, the advances are like a little bit unwanted. Though she she does like Carmilla, and Carmilla is usually very sweet, but there are certain times where she'll just like fly into a rage seemingly at nothing. And also, once Carmilla comes to their home, strange goings on start happening in the the area, uh, specifically resulting in the death of young women and girls. It's Laura she starts to fall sick as well. Um, She's plagued by these dreams of a dark creature roaming around her bed at night. Um, She sometimes sees, like, visions of Carmilla, like, drenched in blood in front of her while she's sleeping. And additionally, two puncture marks have appeared on her neck. So weird. Hmm. (laughs) Funny how that could happen. Uh, Who knows? Who knows? So then her father's friend, who had his daughter died, uh, he comes to visit them and they learn that his daughter had the same symptoms as Laura after they invited this a young woman into their home. <laughs> a young woman who looks strikingly like Carmilla. <laughs> um, so they team up with a vampire hunter to find Carmilla, whose real name is Mikala, I think. Is that how you say that? Mi- Mercala? It's an I- anagram of Carmilla. <laughs> Uh, and they, they end up killing her by driving a stake through her heart and chopping off her head. So bummer about that. Yeah. But yeah. Damn, that is a bummer. I know. Yeah. It's good, though. I liked it. Yeah, it sounds pretty good. I watched the 2019 film adaptation, which did not get great reviews. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will just say that. But it, it generally follows kind of that same plot. There are a few differences. Like um, after the carriage crash, Carmilla is the only person that's found. And it's very much like, um, d- wait, did Laura have a, a governess in the book? Um, I don't remember. I'll be honest. <laughs> okay. Well, the governess plays a huge role. <laughs> In the movie it's like laura is like a teen girl who's like probably like 14 15 and is very much like exploring her sexuality but she's like locked away in this house with her dad and her incredibly strict governess and oh, um when carmilla shows up like her governess and her father are like there is something weird about this girl and we don't know what the fuck it is like there's something oh. off about her um, oh no okay 
so yeah, in the in the book, they're everybody's like taken by Carmilla. They're like, this girl is so fucking beautiful. Give her whatever she wants. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Well, well, there we go. And so the two the two girls start getting close, and there are a lot of kind of gory dream sequences, but they're all proven to be nightmares. And so it's never completely clear that Carmilla's a vampire. It's just clear that her governess thinks that there's something off about that one. Um, <laughs> and so basically it's you get this kind of huge twist where they're developing feelings for one another very much like exploratory like we're figuring out what our sexuality is we're figuring out like what it what it's like to feel desire but then her governess very very violently murders Carmilla by driving a stake through her heart and it's again it's not completely clear that she's a vampire at any given point in time in this movie and so um one letterbox review that I saw that really stuck with me was from Letterboxd user Sarah who said, and I quote, when you have a character who is traditionally killed for a vampire and happens to be a lesbian, taking out the vampire part means that you're just hate criming your lead. Yeah. Just acknowledge that. <laughs> oh my god, I love <laughs> Which that. Which is so real. Like, That's it, it very much just feels like that. Like, it is, it's a rough watch. And to top it all off, the movie, it has a distinct Lizzie type vibe to it. And I know oh, we talk no. about Lizzie a lot. <laughs> but it's that vibe that's my like, favorite movie <laughs> i would watch lizzie if i was given the option of watching lizzie three more times or watching this movie one more time i'd watch wow. lizzie three more times it, it has that vibe it is <laughs> did they plan it out kinda did they theme it yeah did i like it Mm-mm. so Mm-mm. it's just kind of strange I ha- I will say I've heard that the Carmilla movie, which came out in 2017 and was based on a web series, um, was better. However, it looked incredibly cheesy and like it was set in the modern day. <laughs> and I was like, like actually, I don't want to watch this. I would rather watch like this weird period piece. But then ultimately, I was, you know, bleh. disappointing. The the novella sounds so good. Yeah, I almost watched the 2017 um, Carmilla, but we only have two weeks to do these episodes, and I I fucking ran out of time. <laughs> Both of us have been so busy. <laughs> yeah, oopsie doopsie. <laughs> I know. It, it, sometimes we just got to make the, quick spur of the, the moment decisions, and yeah. we can't do it all. We can't we're do working, it all. We're working, guys. We're working. That's just how it is. Um, <laughs> There's, there is no maybe, actually. <laughs> again, like, I definitely recommend that you read Carmilla because, it, again, it's, like, fun and it's, like, a light read for a spooky season. Um, and also, it's it's really female-focused, so much so that um, Laura's dad doesn't even get a name. Like, she is definitely, like, the main part of the story, as is Carmilla, as is Carmilla's mom, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's very good. And then also... The, with Carmilla being interested in other women, that part mm-hmm. is left, like, morally ambiguous. And though, like, at least my reading of the text was, like, sometime Laura was like, okay, Carmilla, you need to, like, back it up. I just met you. Like, it's her advances, like, they're not, like, totally unwanted. It's more like she's just like, damn, you're coming on pretty strong. <laughs> so yeah. it was fun. And I loved reading any of the um, passages where, like, Carmilla was just, like, confessing her love to Laura. It was, like, really good. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I'm definitely interested to read it. 
Yeah. Let's take this chronologically, then. Let's go through film by film in the order of their release dates. Dracula's Daughter. I was going to watch this one. Oh, and you can watch it on Peacock. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. um, As I mentioned, my Dracula chat, um, our friend Jamie sent me his top three lesbian vampire movies and Dracula's daughter was on the list, particularly as being oh. an interesting example of very early lesbian vampire cinema. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah, this movie's like really fun and I liked it. Um, like definitely like if you're the type of person who likes to have a movie on in the background, I think this is like a great example because the plot moves pretty slowly. So if you like get distracted for a minute, you're not really gonna miss anything. <laughs> Um, but it, it's not, even though it moves, like, slowly, it's, it, like, the pacing's still pretty good, and so, like, I, I was, like, engaged the whole time, um, which is not the case for other movies that I watched for this episode. <laughs> so, yeah, this Dracula's Daughter is from 1936. Um, it is a sequel to the 1931 Dracula movie, which I didn't realize until after I'd watched it. It features some lesbian subtext from the main character, and I guess that was talked up pretty heavily in the marketing. Uh, One of the taglines for this movie was, Save the women of London from Dracula's daughter. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah, and like one of her victims, uh, who she like takes into her art studio in order to paint her, is like featured prominently on some of the posters. Um... (laughs) When that person's not a main character, so, like, it's like, ooh. (laughs) This movie opens with an old Van Helsing fresh from killing Dracula. The police take him into custody and uh, the staked body into evidence. Van Helsing insists that he can't be charged for murder because uh, Dracula has been dead for 500 years. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then he calls his friend Dr. Jeffrey Garth, a psychiatrist, in order to help him out. Um, They're like, don't you want to call a lawyer? And he's like, no, I'll call my friend. Uh, And it's like, okay. (laughs) Meanwhile, Dracula's daughter, uh, Countess Zaleska, steals Dracula's body and burns it. She hopes this will cure her from her vampirism and her need to drink blood. But when urged by her familiar to hunt again, she ends up giving in. Zaleska meets Dr. Garth at a party later, where she asks him to help her with her, like, quote-unquote addiction. He gives her the worst advice ever, which is, (laughs) uh, he says, "Um, you know what we do with alcoholics? We put them in a room with alcohol, and then we tell them to not drink it. (laughs) Yeah, great. Which is... So she ends up having a woman over to her studio to paint her, and then she ends up drinking her blood, um, because what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. That's not how you help somebody with an addiction. But anyway, so after that, she kind of feels like there's no hope. She decides to ask Dr. Garth to run away from her, because she's taken a liking to him. Um, He refuses, so uh, she kidnaps his secretary, um, and she takes... (laughs) her to her home country and there she hopes that he'll come after her and then she can trade the secretary's life for uh, his eternal life with her. But when her familiar finds out that she's planning on making somebody else a vampire instead of him, he flies into a rage and he kills her. Um, so yeah, uh, this was great. Uh, highly recommend. Really fun. Um, it looks really fun. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess this is apparently the first time that a, a lesbian vampire had been in film. I got that off of Wikipedia, so like citation needed. But um, judging by the date, that's probably true, right? Uh, yeah, that's from what I've heard, that's true. So. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, because of the Hays Code, just like very briefly meant that like puritanical like rules of film where you couldn't depict like things that were considered like unchristian. You couldn't depict like homosexuality in like a in a positive light or basically at all. The Hays Code was pretty inspired by Catholicism and generally mm. forbade the um ridicule of any clergy or criticism of clergy and so because of that that makes me think that yeah it it definitely religious religion based yeah (laughs) Uh, this is like just pulling from like me going to art school so like i'm not the best source here but i remember it was specifically because you know gay people love to work in film and theater and so there was like a bunch of like gay film and stuff coming out and so people got together and were like no 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 you cannot do this <laughs> but anyway because of this um the scene where she gets the woman into her art studio had to be handled really de- delicately i guess the people who do the haze code they like got the script ahead of time and initially the woman who she kills was going to be like naked cuz that's like what you do in an art studio but um because of the code um instead she just has like her shoulders exposed and it's also in the movie kind of implied that her like part of her addiction is also just her lesbianism and that if she wasn't a vampire anymore she like like wouldn't be with women so like definitely like feeding into like the predatory lesbian trope but it's still like fun you know erin talking about secretaries Oh? <laughs> Boy, do I have a movie about a secretary for you. <laughs> I love this transition. Remember, also, if there's something, what is it about lesbians and their secretaries? I am just saying, um, we watched, um, we watched The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant. Um, just one year before that, Daughters of Darkness came out. Oh. In 1971. And of the three lesbian vampire movies that I watched, this one was definitely the best and I was obsessed with it. Um, I honestly don't want to talk about (laughs) it too much because I don't want to spoil people because I genuinely think that they should watch Daughters of Darkness. But this was a Belgian erotic horror film that was filmed in English. And it's about a young newlywed couple, um, which is a wealthy American man and his sexy wife that he hates. Um, (laughs) Of course. Um, And they're traveling through Europe on their honeymoon. And they end up stopping at this seaside hotel where an incredibly beautiful countess and her secretary also stop. And the four of them are the only people staying in the hotel. Oh my god. A twist we could never see coming. The Countess and her secretary are lesbian vampires. Oh my god. (laughs) Um, The Countess is, um, what the fuck is it called? I'm thinking about what we do in the shadows when you have, like, the vampire who, you, you have your little one that's underneath you. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. 
Yeah, a Guillermo's a familiar. Is that what you mean? It's it's kind of like that where she's like a disciple. Oh, okay, Does but yeah, he's sense? but yeah, he's usually familiars aren't vampires. Yeah, no, but she is a vampire. But she's like a disciple. She's like underneath the countess, um, mm-hmm. and serving the countess. Not only is the countess a vampire, but she is a descendant of the Countess Elizabeth Bartori of Transylvania, who oh. was a real life noblewoman <laughs> who tortured and murdered hundreds of girls and drank their blood to take their youth away that part is very real and Aaron can uh, tell you about it in just a moment <laughs> I, I will tell you about there about that <laughs> um, and also it, while they're all staying at the hotel there's a series of very mysterious murders of beautiful young women but what could be causing that hmm, I don't know um, hmm. and obviously there is a man here who fucking hates his wife so what's gonna happen with that I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I would deeply encourage you to watch this this is so much fun and oh my god um, yeah one final thing i will say is that the countess has such a deep carol vibe she's oh my like god. a sexy older <laughs> blonde woman who always wears her hair wrapped up and um also when jamie recommended this movie to me his advice was do not read anything about it going into it like do not spoil yourself on the ending because it has a, a very comedic horror ending and it does um and so i would encourage you just not to really look into too much but just go into it and you'll have such a fun time oh my god i'm so excited to watch this this was one of the ones that i like i almost watched and then i'll be honest like i was I was doing some, like, work, so I I wanted to watch something without subtitles, and so because this was Belgian, I just assumed that it would be subtitled, and so I watched a movie that I hated instead. (laughs) Yeah, but nope, there's no subtitles. Um, It's in English, though they do have accents. Um, Wow. And it's so good. Yeah, I would absolutely recommend. So, Elizabeth Bartori, you may know her. Um, She has the Guinness book of world record status of the most infamous female serial killer (laughs) um so she's pretty well known but i i regret to inform you aaron has lied to you she said this is real this is not real she didn't drink blood (laughs) no (laughs) in some of her torture practices there's there's some accounts and suggestions that she would like torture people by like making them engage in cannibalism but i don't think yeah, her herself engaged in cannibalism. And what I knew her for and why I, I looked her up is because she's known as the Blood Countess. And I thought that was because uh, supposedly she was supposed to bathe in virgin blood in order to maintain her youth. And apparently this claim was actually started after her death and most likely just straight up isn't true. There, uh, Because her and her co-conspirators were put on trial, there's actually a lot of like information about like what was done to her victims um and her bathing in the blood was never mentioned (laughs) (laughs) oh damn it i know i I mean i'm glad she didn't it's it's still horrible she did so many things oh my god (laughs) yeah um but yeah that's like i like a widely known like false thing about her um, but what she was, was she was a Hungarian noblewoman who was born in 1560. Um, and her and her four co-collaborators were, they were accused and all prosecuted for torturing and killing hundreds of girls and women in between, uh, 1590 and 1610. Uh, Gregor Torjo, Torjo, I think it is, Gregor Thord, 
Third Joe. How do you know Third that it's Joe. pronounced Gregor? I'm pretty sure it's Gregor. Even though it looks like it's spelled Georgi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Gregor. On on the Wikipedia of how to pronounce his name, it like in in the thing where it has like how to pronounce it in the parentheses, it did it had Gregor. So maybe I'm just gonna call him I, by his last I'm name. I'm gonna. What if I find like one of those YouTube videos that's like how to pronounce dot com with like the how robot saying it, and then I just I cut that audio in right here, right now. <laughs> I would love that. I don't know if you're gonna keep this in or not, but if you are, the word that we're looking at is G Y O with the two little dots above it. R G Y. I cannot um, find out how to pronounce. I think it's Torzo Tors- too. Torzo Giorgi. <laughs> Torzo Giorgi. Okay. So Torjo Gorzi was the man investigating her. And um, because he was a trustee of her late husband, uh, she never went to trial just because he felt bad that he was like putting his friend's wife to death. And I think she had asked that she never go to trial. And so he was like, okay. So she was just imprisoned in her castle in uh, 1610. And sh- then she died four years later. Um, some people say that she was like confined to one room. It's probably more likely that she just was able to walk around her whole castle mm-hmm. on like a, a house arrest, basically. Oh, one thing that I thought was was kind of funny was, um, you know, last year we did witches uh, for our, our Halloween spooky episode. And one of her co-conspirators claimed to be a witch and even went so far as to cast a spell on the people who were investigating them oh for God. all the like crimes that they were doing. Um, the spell did not work. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure she was put to, to death. Uh, Elizabeth Batori, she also... She inspired the movie Countess Dracula, um, but I didn't end up watching this movie because, uh, as far as I know, there aren't any gay women in it. So, yeah, not so, super relevant. Yeah. yeah, damn. Thank you for this damn. history lesson. Yeah, many. I feel like I know one. so. I know so much more now. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe that Dracula's daughter. Or, or, sorry, I can't believe the daughters of darkness lied to me. I can't believe it. <laughs> I think the like. The misconception about her not bathing in blood, that was, like, more of a recent revelation. I think that, like, somebody, like, published a book about her in the 90s where they, like, cleared up a bunch of that stuff. Definitely an interesting history. It it is also interesting that in our witch episode we had this whole real-life component of really women and queer people being prosecuted. But then in this instance, <laughs> we have yeah, a real life example, and it's she was like oh, super this guilty. Was like the most iconic serial killer, like yeah, fantastic. Yeah, um, my God. Well, let's. Is it okay if we talk about the next one up on the list? Yeah, Vampiros Lesbos. <laughs> yeah, Vampiros Lesbos. Um, oh so once again, this was the third recommendation that Jamie gave. He recommended Daughters of Darkness, Dracula's Daughter, and Vampiros Lesbos. But his uh, addendum was, please be warned, it is visually interesting, but it is incredibly male gazy. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that warning was accurate. <laughs> um, so Vampiros Lesbos was shot in 1971, the same year that um, Daughters of Darkness came out. If you're going to watch one or the other, Daughters of Darkness is the one. But oh. Vampiros Lesbos is a West Sherman and Spanish film that was shot in Turkey about an American businesswoman. <laughs> oh, Oh my god, okay, unexpected. 
Um, and she keeps having these recurrent erotic dreams about a very mysterious, sexy, nude lesbian vampire who sucks her blood. Funny. Wow. And then she travels to this remote island to settle an inheritance. And lo and behold, the woman she's meeting with, it's that lesbian vampire from her very dreams. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and a lot of stuff happens. Like, she gets turned into a vampire. And then she realizes she cur- that she's cursed with a vampire lust. And then there's some stuff with this other woman who's in a psychiatric hospital. And then there are all these doctors who are trying to extrapolate vampire power. And then the businesswoman kills the vampire. But ultimately, it was all a dream. Oh. Or was it? We oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty much from what I could read about the criticism of this film is that everybody agrees that this movie is bad, but people are still absolutely obsessed with it. Um, Oh, yeah, that's valid. (laughs) It has a fun soundtrack. It has some fun visuals. It really kind of makes no sense. And personally, I found it to be a really boring watch. And again, very male-gazy. But it was visually fun. So it was interesting for sure. Yeah, just... Wow. That's the short of it. Is it like a schlock horror film or like a B-horror film? It's it's an art house film, so oh. it's like um, definitely of that like West German seventies art house vibe. I I don't really know <laughs> how to describe it, Erin. I watched it. Wow, I'm I'm intrigued, but I definitely want to watch Daughters of Darkness first. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one that you should prioritize for sure. Vampiros Lesbos was interesting, but it I I wouldn't watch it again. I would absolutely watch Daughters of Darkness again. Man. So you want to know what I watched instead of Daughters of Darkness? I know what you watched, and I'm so (laughs) sad that you didn't enjoy it, because I've been wanting to watch this movie forever. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I watched The Hunger, which came out in 1983, um, and I was incredibly disappointed. (laughs) That is so sad. I know. I don't know if people like this movie. I, um, so, like, so I'm I'm sorry if this is your favorite movie. I can't imagine that's the case though. I and I'm so sorry. I really didn't like it. If it is, I, this movie. <laughs> it, no, people people fucking love this movie. Um, really, that's part oh, of the no. reason why I um why I put it on our list is that I had I had read so much like good criticism of it. Like, yeah, I oh. I just had this on our to do list just regularly. Not even I didn't even think about watching it for this. For this episode, so I'm I'm so interested to hear more about what what you thought of it because I I've never seen it. Okay, all right. I'm so sorry for people who no. like this movie. Then no, that's okay. I honestly I hate to say it. I feel like people probably really like it just because of the cast. You know, that's why I thought I would like it. Anyway, yeah. So Miriam Baylock is a vampire who has taken many lovers over the years, uh, promising them eternal life and youth. Turns out she can only keep half of that promise. After 200 years, her lovers start rapidly aging, but are unable to die. So at that point, she seals them in a coffin and she keeps them in her attic. (laughs) Her most recent victim is a man named John, who's played by David Bowie. And before succumbing to his fate of becoming super rapidly aged um he seeks help from a doctor named uh dr sarah roberts but she she obviously doesn't believe him when he tells her that he's rapidly aging and it isn't until she sees him a couple hours later and sees that he's aged 40 years that she then believes him but by that point it's too late for him 
Um, and he goes back to Miriam and she seals him in the coffin and puts him in the attic. Um, (laughs) uh, so Miriam takes an interest in Sarah after Sarah comes to visit her to ask about John and Miriam seduces Sarah and they have a boring sex scene where Miriam, Miriam starts the vampire transformation with Sarah, which involves her, uh, drinking her blood and then giving her blood. Um, but she's unable to finish the, like, transformation because Sarah rejects the blood that she gives her. So Sarah becomes a vampire, partially, and then in her bloodlust, she ends up killing her boyfriend. And so Miriam, she goes to her and, uh, is like, oh, it's okay now. Now we can be together. Um, and when she does that, Sarah stabs herself in the neck. And then, I'm not really sure why Miriam because she stabbed herself in the neck is like okay i guess you're done i'm gonna go put you in the coffin room uh and but then when she does that like her other previous lovers jump out of the coffins and they push her down a staircase and then she starts aging rapidly and uh, turns to dust it looks like but then later the movie cuts to sarah and uh, she's a like a happy vampire living in an apartment and she keeps miriam in a coffin what? what the fuck <laughs> also I, I feel like it is worth noting that um sarah is played by susan sarandon as well oh, yeah <laughs> which is another part of the reason this movie does have like a cult following like for real yeah and like david bowie and susan sarandon together in a horror film people fucking love susan sarandon and shit like that's true i don't know i just like really wasn't engaged in this movie for whatever reason um <laughs> The sex scene, I guess, specifically was really bad. I think that's when I really, like, stopped paying attention. (laughs) Because it's a lot of, like, music playing and, like, white curtains, like, blowing in the wind as they're on, like, this giant white bed. And and they're just, like, sensually, like, touching each other while naked. And then uh, Miriam starts drinking Sarah's blood. And it's like, did they fuck? What? What's happening? (laughs) Why is why are there so many white curtains? <laughs> yeah. That one thing I had heard about this was that it was ambiguously gay. <laughs> so, oh, I wouldn't I mean, say the that. Fact, the fact that they have sex, I mean, pretty much shows that it is gay. Like, oh, it's definitely gay. <laughs> Miriam is, is trying to fuck Sarah and they I mean, it's kind of like I guess it's ambiguous if they fuck because is rolling around on a giant white mattress actually fucking um no. But that's what it was meant to be. <laughs> yeah. I will also say I'm totally faked out by the beginning of this movie where it's a bunch of like scenes of like Miriam and John at like a rave and they're like everybody's in like wild costumes and it's like a lot of like cuts and like fun lighting and it's like oh this is gonna be like a fun movie and then like most of it just takes place at Miriam's like brownstone. I'm like this isn't what I signed up for. (laughs) Yeah. I also, I fully thought that, like, David Bowie's role in this movie was going to be so much bigger than just, like, guy who dies. No. He like, he is man who dies. He is dead, like, 30 minutes into into the film. Maybe, I like, 40 sure, minutes. I for sure thought that he was going to be, like, the leader of a sexy vampire coven. Yeah, of, right? Like, these two ladies that, like... Nope. He starts, he starts aging immediately in which it, he's, like, mad that he's, like, aging... Um, and then he murders a teenage girl at one point. Um, oh my god! For for seemingly no reason too. <laughs> He's like they, um, Miriam and John like would play music with this like 
like 16 year old neighbor kid and she goes to visit miriam and john um and she sees john but he's like aged uh to the point where he's like 80 years old so she's like she doesn't recognize him but he's like friendly to her and says like come in like play some music and so she does and then he murders her for like no reason oh my god i know (laughs) i mean maybe there was a reason there's like something with like the like onk the like egyptian symbol of life and so like miriam has a necklace and like she gives a similar necklace to her lovers there's something about them like stabbing people with it um but it it i just like could not care well that's it's disappointing but i i'm glad that you watched it and could report back i honestly i still might watch it sometime Uh, yeah maybe Maybe you'll like it. I, I will say I was like working on something um, for work because this has been like a really busy work week for me. Um, so it could also be that I was just in a bad mood um, and wasn't able to fully enjoy this for yeah. the campiness that it was. But I will say it was it was pretty boring. I mean, <laughs> so honestly, tell me what I, you pro- think. I, I probably feel the, the same way about Vampiros Lesbos where it was like I was unfocused <laughs> and in a bad mood. Maybe I would have liked it more had I Oopsie been doopsie. in a good headspace. But guess what? We, again, we're working guys. <laughs> we're you know, both in the, if, it's the busy period for both of us at work right now. So. Yeah. If you want a podcast that contains two lesbians named Erin and they're hyper-focused, this is not the podcast for you. <laughs> it could be like... When we are free and able to live our lives and have Fair. fun. Fair. Sometimes during, it is. Why is it, why is it October that's so busy? I would love to know. I don't know. Okay. Well, there's still more vampires to talk about. <laughs> there are. Um, you also thought of two incredibly good modern vampires, one of which I really should have thought about. <laughs> I, I know. Oopsie doopsie. I can't believe this for both of us. This is fine. Um, I <laughs> everybody's favorite woman who loves woman who is a vampire, Marceline, the vampire queen. <laughs> die, big, big die. <laughs> I'm sure we're gonna do an episode on Adventure Time at some point. I really so want to. I'm fine to like kind of just glaze over this a little bit. Mm-hmm. I love Marceline. Me too. Yeah, I'm obsessed with her. I think that she's incredible. I think that every single lesbian's obsessed with Marceline the Vampire Queen, though. That's true. You know who's also obsessed with Marceline the Vampire Queen? I, I actually do, and it is Willow Smith. <laughs> Willow Smith! Oh my god. And so if you don't know, Willow Smith uh, wrote a song called Marceline, which is a love song to Marceline, the character. It's in, It's incredible. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's a good song. I first heard it on Spotify and I didn't realize I like just saw that it was called Marceline. And um, it wasn't until I got to the chorus where Willow Smith uh, talks about wanting to get on a uh, like take a ride on Lady Rainicorn where I realized like, oh, this is this is the Marceline. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, uh, fun. Did you know um, that uh, I think Maybe because she wrote this song, um, Willow Smith ends up voicing a character in the finale of uh, Adventure Time. She is Beth, um, the potential, like, or well, definitely the, all right, I'm going to start over. Uh, (laughs) Wait, can you not spoil Adventure Time for me? Because I've never finished it. Oh, okay. Uh, This is like not, this is not a big spoiler, but I will, I won't say. Never mind. I'm sorry. She voices a character. Okay, but in the finale, yeah, I, in the finale. I actually, 
I actually haven't finished Adventure Time during quarantine. I started a full rewatch and I made it. I made it to like the point where everybody's like, this is where Adventure Time gets so good. And then I was like, actually, I don't really care anymore. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm like hiding my face in my hands. I'm so sorry. Like, I, I feel like I do this a lot where I like get to the point that's like pivotal that everybody loves. And then I'm like, actually, I don't really care about it anymore. And I'm going to stop now. Um, eventually, fine. I'll go back and finish it because I, I genuinely really like Adventure Time. But oh, I yeah, just like same. at the time that I was watching it, I was like, I can't get past any more of yeah. this. I watched a little bit past. Um, what is the name of Marceline's arc? Oh shit! The, it's uh, the something. It's stakes. Right? I was gonna say sticks. Yeah, it's, oh, it, it's stakes. It sure as hell is stakes. Um, yeah, I watched a little bit past stakes. Um, oh, I love stakes. I I actually really didn't like stakes that much. Oh, and so that's part of the reason why. why that's I fair. Off. Yeah. It's actually funny. Um, from my understanding, I think there was a point where Pendleton Ward, who is the creator of the series, left. Uh, I think that's the... I, I didn't know that people were like, this is when it gets good. I thought that people just didn't like the second half of Adventure Time at all. Oh, really? Ma- maybe yeah. it's because I'm biased because I only talk to women who love women. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair, so. fair. This is where we get more Marceline. <laughs> yeah, I love Marceline. I love Princess yeah, Bubblegum. I do. I do love Marceline. I thought that Stakes was good. I think that it, it for me, when I say I didn't really like Stakes, let me be clear. I, I like the episodes of Adventure Time that are more episodic or give little hints at the plot. Yeah. Whenever it gets into like a big arc, that's just kind of where I, where I was falling off naturally. Like I, I felt I've fallen off for every single big like multi-episode arc. So, oh, okay, yeah, that's fair. Isn't yeah. that funny and how different it is from what I just said about Revolutionary Girl <laughs> Utena, where I was like, I can't watch things that are episodic. With Adventure Time, I'm like, as soon as it hits an arc, I don't care about it anymore. Oh my god. I'm so <laughs> like sorry. You are a multifaceted Aaron. A disaster. <laughs> You're allowed. Taste. I read something else with a, a cute vampire relationship. <laughs> yeah, and I think that this is the last thing that we want to talk about, right? There's actually one more thing that I remembered that I am going to mention really fast at the end. Okay, cool. Yeah, but the um the last like main topic talking point is going to be a Yuri manga called Killing Me with an explanation point. <laughs> and it's a manga about a vampire hunter with a gun. Very exciting for me. Um not that I like guns. I just this is a callback to our, like, episode two. second episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the podcast where Erin said that she wished that more Yuri manga had guns in it. Yeah. <laughs> Named uh, Fuji Mia and uh, her vampire schoolmate who's uh, named Miyoko. And so at night they fight, but during class they must pretend to be friends. Though Miyoko does not need to pretend. She is legitimately, openly in love with Fuji Mia. Um, she would never hurt the, her, though she does want to drink her blood. <laughs> um, and uh, Fujimiya is legitimately trying to kill Miyoko. Um, she's just not very good at it, um, despite the fact that she's like a perfect student and like has like the like uh, like withdrawn, like quiet, like kind of like a student type of personality. But like. Oh no, whenever Miyoko drinks her blood, like, it feels good, blush face. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, this was, like, really cute and fluffy. It's just one volume. And so if you like something with a really cute art style and the dynamic of enemies to lovers, um, this is, like, really great. (laughs) I love um, Fujimiya's Hime haircut. 
Yeah. She looks so cute with her little She's, pistol. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh my god, uh, it's so cute. And then um, Miyoko has, she's wearing like kind of these like Victorian like cute outfits where they have like high collars and they're super frilly and sh- but they're like short skirts and i love her style so much and then she has like giant twin tails it's great <laughs> yeah i i definitely want to read this now that you've brought like this this sounds great and you could probably get through it in like an hour <laughs> maybe i'll do that after this oh all right well yeah i have um just one more thing to mention, which is Vampire Blood Drive. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, which is an 18-plus queer vampire-slash-human rom-com gra- graphic novel. And it's right now on Kickstarter. Um, and it has reached its goal. Um, it's, like, far exceeded it, even. Um, so you can go and back this project if you want to get a copy of uh, this novel. Yeah, it looks really good. I like the art style um, and... I think it's gonna, when this podcast comes out, it'll still be in Kickstarter for like maybe two more days. Um, So you will have a chance to pledge and we'll like post it on our Twitter if you want. Um, And there you can see the like preview images for it. It looks really good. Yeah, it looks, it, I'm looking at it right now and it does look really nice. And it looks like the way that they're printing it is like, I don't know if it's going to be full risograph, but um like it looks really like it looks like it'll be nicely bound as well obviously because it's still in kickstarter we can't see that but yeah yeah and they're actually they're really close to reaching um a stretch goal where they'll add a bonus comic so definitely check it out um if you're interested yeah so yeah that's that's it though that's it that's all the vampires (laughs) that's every vampire that's ever existed baby ever existed thank you so much Not quite. Um, Oh, shoot. Okay, I will give a shout out to um, the Castlevania animated series on Netflix. Apparently, there are two vampire lesbians on that show, one which is a big woman. um, And my girlfriend was really sad to find out that I hadn't watched Castlevania. She thought I had and was going to talk about it. um, But then she realized I hadn't. I didn't realize that there were lesbians in Castlevania. Yeah, well, well, now we can do like a dedicated episode to that series. Uh, Yeah, I I actually kind of want to watch Castlevania. I've heard good things about it. I haven't played any of the games, though. Me neither. Though I love looking at the game art that was by the Death Note guy. Oh. Have you ever seen that? Wait, no. He did uh, like a lot of the box art for the games. Oh, my God. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yada. Yeah, he did a lot. Yeah. <laughs> what Doesn't the fuck? Fucking incri- He's so good at art. Like, it, like, kills me. <laughs> Aaron, I can't lie. This is something, but I kind of hate it. <laughs> I love it. I think it's so much fun. <laughs> it's Simon Belmont, and he's like, it's like light, but like, if light was taking steroids. <laughs> yeah, and it's then, light on steroids. And, he's and then wearing a BDSM outfit. <laughs> But how about the girl that looks exactly like Misa Misa? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, Misa Misa, if she's in an RPG, like a JRPG. <laughs> I do kind of like that. Misa girl. I'll be honest. <laughs> Damn, I want to reread Death Note. Ah, shit. <laughs> Did you hear that they're making a new Death Note? <laughs> Again? Yeah, they're um they announced that so they did the spin-off one shot, right? Yeah. And they announced that um they're gonna do a whole volume of additional one shots. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Did I just, you um, did you ever read that one shot? 
No, no. I only saw that meme where it was like the Chad new protagonist who sells yeah. the Death Note versus the like virgin light Yagami who like <laughs> like is a murderer. Yeah, for real. <laughs> he sold the Death Note. <laughs> he auctioned um, it off on eBay.com. <laughs> I will say, I only, I don't know if Shinigami really have gender, but I only recently found out that the Shinigami that's in love with Misa was a female? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, God, I forgot yeah. that she's in love with Misa. What, yeah. Podcast content. <laughs> podcast content. Oh my God. I, for, I fully forgot that she's completely in love with Misa. Yeah. And she is, she is a woman. It's like... The Shinigami do have genders, but I don't okay. know why they need to. And by choice, mm. I suppose. Why yeah. not? Maybe. Why not? Shinigami can have a little gender. He has a treat. Has a treat. <laughs> sometimes people like a gender. And sometimes right. they just like apples. Yeah, true. I think that's that's about it. Um, obviously, there are a lot that we haven't covered if you want, you should email us or uh, message us on Twitter and tell us about your favorite lesbian content because we would just like to hear about it for fun. Yeah. And I, I maybe I'll cut this. I, I feel kind of bad mentioning this at the end, but there is a notable lack of vampire content in like big pop culture about people of color and particularly women of color. Oh, um, true. Fuck. And a lot of that stems from the fact that uh, vampire media is just really steeped with whiteness as a genre. Yeah. And um, that doesn't mean that that content doesn't exist. But unfortunately, I think a lot of the like lesbian vampire media about women of color is mostly in um writing it's in fiction and not in film which is really what we focus on in this episode so yeah man a lot of missed opportunities yeah (laughs) ah thank you so much for listening if you feel like it you can follow us on twitter at gaze gaze where you can tweet us and also if you like this podcast please tell your friends about it we would really appreciate that you can also email us at Aaron at gazegaze.com to send us thoughts, ideas, and recommendations. Uh, if you want to just talk to both of us, you can address the email to Aaron. Or if you want to talk to one of us specifically, I am Aaron Fishwife. And I am Aaron Moon. Yay. So many thanks to Kate and Leslie of Neon and Nude for allowing us to use their songs Look in Love and You Pretty Thing for our intro and our outro music. You can and should buy their album at neonandnude.bandcamp.com. But you can also stream it on Spotify. Uh, Next week, I'm going to bring up the Trello, because I forgot. (laughs) It's our two-year anniversary. Ah, fuck. (laughs) It's our two-year anniversary. Can you believe it? I can't. (laughs) Um, I I can believe it. I feel like we we got a good momentum going. We're doing it. (laughs) Two whole years of this. Two whole years. That's actually that is kind of crazy now that I think about it. So yeah, last year we did a clip show of some of our favorite episodes from the last year. This year I have I have six out of our however many number of episodes I have clips from it accumulated. I guess I'm not sure. Well, I'm gonna fucking try to power through and try to get clips of all of the episodes. And so believe in me, and I will have the power to do that. Yeah, yeah. I will say, um, I know this is a big ask, but if you do have like a favorite moment from the last year or even like an episode or a talking point that you 
enjoyed. If you wanted to email us or DM us on Twitter or send us an anonymous what ask on fucking Tumblr, that would bring me an incredible amount of joy. But I understand that that's like a lot ask, a lot to ask from people. And what are we doing after we do our clip show? After the clip show, um, we're doing one on fan fiction. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I forgot that was the suggestion uh, from Steph. Yes. Um, who just asked that we talk about WLW fic. And I thought that it sounded like a great idea. I never read fan fiction, so I thought it would be fun to dip my toes in and see what I could find. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, that's good, too. We have, like, month, kind of, to, like, work on just reading fan fiction. <laughs> I... I'm going to be real with you, Erin. I'm going to show up with some just absolute bangers that I found. They're not going to be good fic. They're going to be like the weirdest things that you've ever heard of. Well, send me them as you find them. Okay, will do. And you, the listener, please send us your favorite fan fiction, no matter the what it's from just i'm currently send it googling to us. wendy williams fan fiction oh okay well all right <laughs> <laughs> i got it um, <laughs> that good old rpf <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> no thank you i won't look at any other rpf just wendy williams no of course of course i'm also fine with that oh my god well uh until next week i'm aaron and i'm aaron and, and we're, we're gay, gay. That's all though. Bite. Bite. Oh. Oh no. <laughs> My blood. <laughs> hey.